Welcome, everybody, to the Alt Accountant Podcast. My name is Hector Garcia, CPA and business advisor. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Mike McCullowitz. Mike, how are you doing, man? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Yeah, I think, uh, I think okay. And, and it's, it, it, I would say compared to many folks, I'm probably more, more than okay because yeah. my type of business is the one that you could work from home. As a matter of fact, I worked from home for, for many, many years. So uh, it, it was a simple adaptation for our business to, to, uh, to work from home and work remotely. But um, I wanted to quickly introduce you, Mike. So the last book that you wrote is called Clockwork. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you have six books in total, correct? Is it mm-hmm. six? That's correct. Six, uh, including the next one that's coming out in April, which is called Fix This, Fix this Next. And we'll, we'll focus our conversation around that book. But yep. I wanted to, for the folks that haven't probably haven't uh, uh, heard of, of Mike, Mike, Mike um, Mike's famous book was The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. Right? Yeah. That's kind of like the one that, that got him into the, uh, into the entrepreneur scene. And you mind giving us a 30-second Reader's Digest of what that book's all about? Yeah, so it was my first book. And what I came to realize, it was the lack of resources that actually makes entrepreneurs more innovative and consistently more successful, the lack of contacts, the lack of money, um, the lack of education and experience. And so I explained that book is how to leverage that to break the industry standards and the norms and uh, grow a successful business. And then since then I've written, you know, five more books, Profit First being my most popular. Yeah. So Profit First, uh, which the book, I'll summarize it to pay yourself before you spend money for your business, right? Pretty much. That's it in a nutshell. And the book is mostly around convincing you that you need the mindset of you need to reward yourself as a business owner first. And the mechanism of paying yourself could be tucking the money away. It could be paying yourself a salary. It could be transferring it to your personal account. In other words, um, you you have the best analogy, which is the toothpaste analogy, right? Every time I hear it, it's just so true. You know, when your toothpaste is full, um, you you, you put as, as much as as it comes out when you squeeze it and right. if some falls in the in the floor or in the sink you get rid of it and then when you're down down to the last drop you know you squeeze the heck out of it you're you're more conservative with the usage of it if it falls in the sink you actually scrape it off with your with your toothbrush right. so when there's less for you to consume you will consume less and a lot of entrepreneurs have the problem where they when they're successful when they're making money when they see that cash flow coming in they don't have that mentality of conservatism, of saving, and right. uh, b- because everything's looking good. And the problem is, uh, there's usually cycles, right? And then we, the coronavirus economic principles, it's, it's an economic issue. It's a huge cycle, unprecedented. I mean, it, nobody could prepare for it. Yeah. But every business owner needs to prepare any sort of down cycle. So that's the segue to your book, which is uh, Fix This Next. So give us a Reader's Digest version of that one. Yeah, so Fix This Next, I wrote, Ironically, you know, I started writing it five years ago, but I wrote it to manage business crisis. And what happens is when a business is struggling, and there's two forms of crisis. There's what's called micro crisis. A competitor comes up and starts taking competition. Employee leaves, you know, something like that. But there's also macro crisis. Macro crisis is a fundamental shift in the economy around us that then influences small business. We are having the most macro of macro crises right now. So I wrote this book to navigate it because how most people respond is by doing desperate actions, by, by over responding in certain areas and under responding in others. Many people are 
jumping toward loans and borrowing money without really the consideration of why did you need that loan in the first place? There's got to be a fundamental flaw and not fixing a part of their business. Just delaying that pain a few months because they got a loan and then the business is going to hit a cliff that could be unrecoverable. So how do you navigate this? Well, it's by, by being analytical and, and that can get overwhelming. So in Fix This Next, I introduce a concept I call the business hierarchy of needs. Every business, if you peel back the skin of humanity or business, we're the same. All people are the same. If, if, you know, if we peel back the skin for me or you, um, we'll find that our biology is the same. Like if a doctor had conducted an operation because I had a heart attack, uh, the doctor wouldn't look at me and say, oh, um, you're probably unique. Is your heart in your foot? Do you keep it in your neck? It always is in the chest. Well, in business, if we peel back the skin, our businesses, the essence of them are identical. So what are those specific needs when we have to do triage, when we have to fix things? Where should we be looking in the corporate body? That's the business hierarchy of needs. And um, I hope it's just a simple tool. It usually takes less than, than a minute to analyze what your business needs from you next. You address it. Once that's resolved, you go through this analysis again, pick the next fix, a fix, and you repeat this process and you march forward out of the, the challenges that we're facing right now. And uh, your mantra has always been uh, to fix uh, entrepreneurial poverty, right? Did I say that's it right. correctly? Right. Um, and why do you think entrepreneurs are, are poor? And I don't just mean financially, but in, in, in all, all so aspects. many aspects, right? So many aspects. Yeah. So it's funny. So what, here's what I, I'll define entrepreneurial poverty is, is the day, Hector, you started your business or I or anyone, our friends who don't know what we're doing, they have a vision of what we are experiencing, that we're immediately wealthy, that we can work any hours we want. We, you know, we, we have a money making machine while we sit on the beach drinking, you know, margaritas. The reality is entrepreneurs as a community work their tail off. They have no extra time and they're financially impoverished among other forms. That gap is what I call entrepreneurial poverty. And uh, I'm devoted to closing. I, I believe the reality should be where business owners are financially successful, where they have the time they want so they're not time impoverished, where they're contributors to their community. You know, small businesses are the backbone of our economy. The craziest thing is right now with the, with the recession that's been invoked by COVID, the world just punched us right in the face. We have a bloody nose and a black eye. And as we got this stunning punch, in the same breath, the world is saying, and I need you more than ever. I need small business to save our economy because otherwise we're done. And so that gap of entrepreneurial poverty is one vehement about closing, of making entrepreneurs successful. And we, we need it more now than ever. So that's what I'm doing. Absolutely. And, um, and obviously, uh, kind of, uh, the colossal pumpkin, what, what was the name of the, the Oh, pumpkin? the, uh, the pumpkin plan is one of my, so book. the pumpkin, so the pumpkin plan, the, the nice thing about your books is that if you actually take all the books together, they kind of tell a story. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. All the things that business owners need to need to be thinking about. Right. So, right. We, you know, so, so we have to be thinking about, uh, profit first and, and talking money for ourselves first. We have to think about the colossal pumpkin or the pumpkin plan, which means to focus and, 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 and specialize and to do one thing really, 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 really right. well so you can stand out above the crowd. And then you have Surge. And tell us a little bit about Surge. Yeah, so Surge uh, is a book about capturing momentum. And this book is becoming applicable in a big way right now because every market shifts. And when customer demand changes, the question is, what do we need to do to get in front of the change? Many businesses are trying to react and reacting while it can be of service, it may be too late. If a customer need moves here, um, 
it's really anticipating the needs they have and getting in front of it. You know, the people who anticipated uh, masks that you have to wear now publicly and being mandated uh, is making a lot of money right now. A friend of mine was in hand sanitizers and got hand sanitization three or four months ago, effectively, not because of COVID, just they saw the opportunity and the growing demand there. Well, they're in the perfect position. So the question is, how do you calculate that? How do you get right in front of demand um, and supply to it? Because then marketing becomes irrelevant. You have the thing that people need. That's the need. That's the best marketing in the world. So that's what surge is, is getting in front of demand. Right. Because, because most business owners are so in the weeds of putting out fires every day that they don't have time to slow things down and just observe, observe what, what are, what are other industries doing? What, you know, like many companies that are not in the transportation business or in the taxi business fail to see all the great things that Uber has done to transform their industry. And you're starting to see little pieces of uberization of other industries. And if, if, if you are not paying attention, uh, somebody else will do it before you and then your business becomes obsolete. So I think one of the lessons to, to learn from there is, I know you're busy. I know you got to take care of business, whatever your business is, but you always have to sort of build in a little bit of buffer time just to study, research the markets. And like you say, how do you time it? How do you, how do you see the trends? And, and trends are not just to get into the market, also to get out of, of oh, a totally. market, right? Yeah. Totally. Um, and, then, and then your next book, uh, which is, uh, I did read that one, because I searched, I didn't read, but uh, it's Clockwork, which is all about building, like don't, the business is not ex- an extension of you. The business should be a system, an operating system that has uh, auto-feedback loops that kind of feed each other and help each other function. So building a, a business that's a bit more automatic So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, a common thing I I heard from entrepreneurs is I don't have time to to build systems and and or to develop systems. And the realization was the, our businesses have all the systems in the world already created. It's just in our mind. So we're already doing the process. It's just, we just do it out of routine. So it's not about creating systems as much as extracting them. And uh, I I propose a new or modernized version of SOPs. SOPs were where we painstakingly document stuff. And um, those are difficult to create because they're so time consuming, but people really generally don't consume them. Maybe you like to flip through manuals. New version is video and recordings. So we actually can capture processes using Loom and different tools like that, and then deliver it to our employees. And then the little trick here is once the employee is doing the process to have them create another video explaining the process, because ultimately the teacher is the greatest student. So if, if someone can teach the process, they've proven they've mastered the process. That's a little part of it. And, and ultimately, clockwork is about organizational efficiency, getting the different elements of our business to work in synchronicity to really move the business forward consistently and extract the owner from you know, the necessity to do work. You still have the option if that gives you joy, but not the necessity to support the business. Right. And get rid of the silo mentality, right? Where that's not my job. That's not my department, right? You know, where you have different people with different functions and the accountant and the salesperson, uh, because intrinsically they don't really do work together. They're kind of like in their own little world. And one, one person is not paying attention to what the other person can do that can affect each other's work. So I think that's that's another kind of disease that we have in the, usually the smaller businesses that have 
four to five employees. Typically, don't worry about that too much because everybody does everything. But once you get to a certain size and you insert some bureaucracy into the system, which is really meant to build some controls, which I'm an accountant, so I'm, I'm, I'm for controls. The problem yeah. is you create so many controls that the business acts like 10 different departments and it doesn't focus on the one thing the business should be focusing on, which is satisfying the customer. So now that we have plugged all your books, Mike, <laughs> and, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll send me the royalty check afterwards. <laughs> Let's talk about this resource that you created, which I love. Yeah. I'm, the, I'm, I'm, let me show you the screen, the screen real quick. I have a printout of it here too. Yeah, perfect. So this yeah. is called Re Recession Response. And for the people that are listening to the podcast only, they're not watching the YouTube version of the video. It's basically, uh, it's four, you could call it five quadrants, but it's, it's really four quadrants, yeah. which is cash flow, strategic planning, debt management, and accounting and tax. Right. So let's go through all of them, Mike. Yeah. So, you know, this document is what do we do in times of crisis? And, um, and so I set up a domain recessionresponse.com and you can get this, but I'll, I'll go through it super quickly. Um, and, and the little checkpoints here. First of all, in cash flow, I talk about the, the cancel the no low benefit expenses. You know, hopefully many businesses have done this already, but if you haven't, right now, it is so important to control cash outflow uh, as you try to maximize cash inflow. Because if your outflow sustains and your inflow drops, your business is going to be you know, cash desperate very quickly. And probably as some, we're listening to some businesses have already been uh, compromised or failed because of this. One little hack uh, in here is to, we call um, reissue your credit and debit cards. So what I mean by this is you can call your credit card and debit company and say, please get me new cards. Don't cancel my credit cards. I don't want to cancel it. I still want the access to them, but reissue them. So, and also ask that no subscriptions are transferred over. And the idea here is under duress, there's so many things we need to do in our business that, and, and so many costs that are coming through and we're not even paying attention to, by reissuing the cards, all of those recurring costs and people hitting our cards, now they'll reach out to us. We'll get an email or they'll call us and say, hey, we can't process your card. So now you can be very selective in what you sustain. I did this myself um, immediately. And uh, sure enough, I had a recurring cost for a gym membership I didn't even realize I had anymore. That was years ago. So there could be these like hanging expenses that you're not benefiting from. Um, I also talk about the business owner's personal income tax. I'm sorry, their, their personal uh, credit. You know, when it comes to future loans and stuff, especially for small business, the most important credit stability that an organization wants to see is the owner themselves, the, the, the person behind it, because you may have to do a personal guarantee. So I'm not saying try to compromise either, but if you have to compromise the, uh, invoice payments by your company versus yourself, it's the company that actually you want to uh, throttle down. Your credit score is most important. Then you let's, know, negotiate. Well, let's, let's, let's unpack yeah. that for a second. So if you had the choice to pay your personal mortgage on time today yeah. versus paying your, your best vendor for your business today, you should pay the, the mortgage because if you're late with your mortgage, it will hit your credit immediately. Now, the drawback is if you don't pay your vendor, your favorite vendor, your best supply. vendor, is yeah. you may not get the supply. So, so you, got, you have to manage it with tact. But most exactly. of the times, vendors are open to negotiation right. where a bank is not open to not dinging your credit. Right. That's exactly right. So, of course, this isn't a hard, fast rule, but uh, we do want to really protect your personal credit. That's what you're going to uh, 
future loans and needs are going to be based upon that more than anything. So that's a great point. Um, and then in the increased cash flow, you know, you can renegotiate credit cards and stuff. I'm, uh, uh, so one thing is you can go, I'm sorry, you can offer uh, new terms. Uh, this is for inbound cash flow. So you could, if you've never collected credit cards in the past, this may be the time to implement that. Um, ACH transfers, 0% financing. There's firms out there that do it. I, I can't remember the names of these companies, but you can just type in, you know, 0% financing offers. And the idea is, can you sustain some of your offerings, but offer new uh, payment terms or uh, payment methods so that it reduces the immediate impact on your clients? Um, one thing I wanted to share was the, this concept I talked about the borrower lender matrix. And uh, this is something super important. I have this graphic, I have it here so I can hold it up to the screen. But I have this on the recessionresponsepage.com and you'll see it on, on the vertical axis, it says uh, sense of obligation. On the horizontal axis, it says time. And you can see that the lender sense of obligation increases and the borrower sense of obligation de decreases over time. And simply what this means is, Hector, if I borrow $100 from you, for example, immediately as the borrower, I'll be so grateful. Hey, thanks for lending me that money. You as the lender will say, hey, it's 100 bucks, no worries. I, I know you need the money. So my sense of obligation as a borrower is high. The lender's sense of obligation is low. But as time goes on, it actually reverses. Time goes on, I'm like, that's 100 bucks. You know, Hector, he doesn't need that money anyway. He doesn't care about it. I got other things to focus on. And I start feeling less and less obligated to pay back. But you as a lender says, wow, you know, months have passed by. Why isn't my paying back? And your sense of obligation heightens. When, that, when they cross over and the lender's obligation is higher than the borrower's, that's when we run at risk of not collecting. So there's a real simple method is with your clients right now, if they owe you money, don't say, don't worry about paying any of it. Keep them paying a portion of it. Maybe they can't afford to pay the entire bill, but have them pay a small tranche. There's an example, a few years ago, I worked with a client. They were owed $25,000 from, from their client. Client wasn't paying. Well, we called them up and simply said, what can you afford to pay on a weekly basis? And they said, we don't know. We said, well, could you afford a, a penny, right? And they said, well, of course I can afford a penny. Can you afford a dollar? Of course. $100? Sure. $250? Ends up $250 was about what they could afford on a weekly basis. So we said, great. Every Monday sends $250. What that does is it kept them heightened as a sense of obligation. The, the, the payments were recurring. So they always thought of us in the forefront of their mind. And when they had more money in the certain tranches, they would pay us first. We we're able to recoup the entire 25,000 within, it took us about a year, but the years prior to have been uh, sitting trying to get that one $25,000 in one tranche never happened. So that's a technique you can use there. The what can you afford technique. Um, so that, that, there's more in the cash flow, but I, I think that's the, the quick tips there. Maybe we want to jump over to strategic planning. Let's that's talk about, yep. Let's do strategic good? planning, yep. Okay, that's on this checklist too. We, we got to get into regular weekly or bi-weekly communication with our, our financial experts. N entrepreneurs are known not for their financials, typically. We are known for our ability to sell, our belief in our product. So this is where I get on the phone with my bookkeeper and accountant. We do it weekly. And just say, checking in, is there any anomalies in the numbers? Interpret our numbers for us and tell us what's going on. It's allowing us to be far more proactive uh, or in short terms, reactive um, to what's the situation that's happening before we were, you know, talking once every couple of months, just how, how's life going type thing. But now it's actively, are there any products that are underperforming or performing better? And we're adjusting accordingly. Um, 
And then in regards to that communication, the, the last check on that maintenance list is our own clients. We need to amplify our communication with our clients, but in smaller pieces. And that's the mistake people are making. In, with the crisis going on, realize your clients are under tremendous stress. So they need to hear from you simply to know you're present, but don't give them a diatribe email or phone call that overwhelms them. I, I own a Chevy car and uh, I got a, uh, an email from Chevy that's like 15 paragraphs long on their recession response. And, you know, two sentences into it, I'm like, oh my God, this is overwhelming me. Actually disenchanted me with, with Chevy that they're burdening with me when I have other issues going on. If they simply said, we're here and available for you, that's what I'd, I'd like to hear. And that's the best communication is short communications where you say to your clients, we're here, we're ready to serve you. And then uh, maybe the next day or two you say, uh, here's something that may help you. Uh, and then the next day, something again, here's something that may help you, but very small bite-sized pieces. That's the right thing. The, the other thing not to do is bury your hand, head in the sand. I had uh, one client of mine, or actually one vendor of mine just disappear. And I don't know where they are. Um, I, I thought they went out of business, but no, they're still around. They had no communication. So small bite-sized pieces. And then I put in strategic planning growth opportunities here. You know, there, there can be some opportunities in, in tweaking your business offering to match what people need now. Uh, you can maybe bolster and, or start serving clients that are going in the, uh, more into the black right now. So some recession-proof businesses are vice-type businesses, alcohol, tobacco, gambling. Um, another one is uh, funerals never go away. Are there markets that you can start catering to? Um, also, there may be some what I call bold moves. And the reason I put bold in quotes is maybe it's not that bold after all, but there may be some acquisition opportunities where that competitor of yours just says, you know what, we're done, let's give up. And you can go to them and say, listen, I'm not going to pay you cash for this because we're in such a volatile time, but I will acquire your client base from you. We'll track it and I'll give you a percentage of the proceeds. So there's some kind of, you know, nice moves you can make there in managing, uh, uh, you know, opportunities in this environment. You want to move on to debt? Yeah, let's talk about debt. Perfect. Debt management. So a couple uh, rapid fire things you can do is um, I really, really want to challenge people on taking on debt. Even though the government is handing out money, I'm doing air quotes around that because they're not necessarily, they're giving out loans. I see businesses devoting a lot of time trying to get loans processed. But if you need to borrow money, realize a loan is a loan. That means there's something fundamentally flawed in your business that, that if we can resolve that, it's better than getting money. The other thing is a loan will have to be paid back. So if you borrow money, even at zero interest, you still have the responsibility to pay back that principal. So you're covering maybe something flawed in your business now, you will have to pay for it later. And that will be a painful time. So I'm not a big fan of loans. Now I realize the government may also be giving out some free money to cover payroll and stuff like that. There may be appropriate time times to use it, but just be very, very careful. A loan for me is usually the last thing I want to consider. Um, you can renegotiate debt terms for sure. Reach out to your credit card company and they say, listen, COVID's affecting me. You're charging me 15% or 20%. Um, I, I need a better percentage rate or I got to find a different credit card company. And, you know, they may respond to that pretty effectively. Uh, you can consolidate and refinance possibly. Um, also know the difference between debt bridging and debt leveraging. Debt leveraging is where, Hector, if I borrow $100 from you, I am leveraging, use that money to make $200 in a predictable period of time. So I plan to double my money in six months or two months. And, and the power behind this is now I know if I borrow money from you in two months from now, that $600 or that the money I get returned, I should say, I can give you your $100 back plus interest, plus make money for myself. 
That's debt leveraging where there's a predictable return on money. Debt bridging is where we borrow money to cover a period of time, a gap of income. Problem, and that's what most businesses are trying to do right now is called a debt bridge. The risk is we don't know how far this bridge needs to go and therefore it can collapse under itself. You know, if you borrow money to cover a two or two or three week gap, that's manageable. But if we're talking a two or three month gap, that starts getting a little bit dangerous. If we're talking about a two or three year gap, that could be put businesses in real trouble. So make sure if you do borrow money, there's a predictable period of time where you can remunerate the lender uh, regardless of who it is. And then moving on to accounting, you know, one real simple strategy, but powerful is in your accounting system, set up an account for COVID and any COVID expenses you incur tracking your accounting system, you know, cleaning supplies. Uh, we had to buy equipment for our team to work remotely. Um, we're conducting specialized emergency meetings for our team that we have to pay for. We're tracking that all in the COVID category. And the power is if there is a reimbursement for these expenses by the government or some kind of insurance, now you have that money allocated, you can peel it out and show it uh, to get your reimbursement. Or more likely in the future, if you ever try to acquire a new loan or maybe sell your business, you can do a recast and show why, wh what expenses you were incurring to sustain your business during this period of time and pull that out and show the real uh, expenses should that not happened and puts you in a more favorable position for loans and so forth. Those are called extraordinary expenses in the accounting Exactly. World. Yeah, absolutely. exactly. And so you could, I would just label that extraordinary cost as a COVID cost. And then the last thing I want to share is, is in the tax area, you know, taxes uh, are being deferred. It doesn't mean that they're being canceled. And I, and I think some small business owners are getting confused. Um, you know, the, the, the April 15th has been moved to, I think to July 15th now. Um, but in June 15th, those taxes haven't been pushed back. So those are still due. So get ready for a double hit. You're going to get the June 15th taxes, which if your business slowed down, will be smaller, but still you're going to have June 15th taxes and now July 15th taxes. So what we're telling our clients is uh, the, when the April 15th taxes come, make a payment of those taxes. And I'm not saying send it to the government. I'm just saying have a bank account where you allocate the money to. So you transfer that tax money in and it just sits there and waits. This way you're still holding the money, but you're not using it for a different purpose because when those taxes are due to the government, you're going to have to pay them. So this is a little sampling. I, I have a full checklist on recessionresponse.com, but I think that's just a powerful little uh, to-do list that, that listeners can use right now. Oh, you're muted, just, you know, on my side. That was great, Mike. So quick, uh, quick recap here. So for cash flow, what you want to do is you want to uh, change your credit card number so none of the automatic charges automatically happen. And right. if you don't miss them, that means you didn't need them in the first place. Obviously, be careful with um, vendors that you have terms that if you, if you can't make the payment, you get charged some sort of fee. So you want to be careful uh, about those. Right. Call, call your vendors. Tell them, hey, something's going on here in our business. What programs do you have? What can you do for me? Try to extend, extend those, uh, those, those terms. Uh, if you have the option to a 0% credit card, uh, move, move some of that money to a 0% credit card, but be aware that when that 12 months is over, those things jump to 30% or something like that. So only if you, if you can foresee being able to pay them off. Uh, give your customers the option to pay uh, finance, but through a third-party finance, they're, they're going to take a big chunk of the deal, 15, 20%, but it gives your customers total flexibility to pay, uh, to pay in uh, monthly or, or whatever, and you get paid the entire thing up front minus, minus their fee. 
Uh, and then you talked about uh, if, if you're a small business owner, you need to be talking to your accountant, your financial professionals, your bookkeepers weekly or bi-weekly if possible, because uh, by the time X amount of time goes by, it might be too late to be able to react or proactively make right. decisions on that moving, uh, moving forward. Make a deep analysis of what's selling, what's not selling, um, and focus on the high, sort of the high margin products. Have a, 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 a concise, useful, value-adding communication strategy with your customers. Don't send them an email and explain to them how COVID works because we're kind of pretty much you know, tired yeah, that of that. Yeah, that figured out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you were a specialist, if you were, if you were special, you were specializing in the type of business that's being heavily affected by COVID or, or at any point in the future, any sort of recession, any problems, start thinking about having some lateral specialties, right? That can, that can, uh, that can be your backup uh, when something happens. Uh, right. For, for debt management, uh, you just, just call your vendors, call, call, call your credit card companies, call your mortgage company and say, hey, what programs do you have? Uh, how can you help me? You'll be surprised on how they can, they can come in and they can, and they can help you. For accounting, account for your extraordinary expenses just in case there's an insurance policy or a program, government program that allows you to finance that or reimburse for that. Or two or three years from now when you're back in business and people are retroactively looking at a really bad year of 2020, you can extract that number from your financials and you're not judged upon upon that maximize the the extension of the taxes so you can you, ha, you can have possibly a little bit more cash flow but put, tuck the money away or at least most of the money away so you don't get surprised or get hit when the money comes in that's the stuff that i heard mike i think it was a great uh great uh you know great tips i think that if if you put together uh if you actually implement two or three of these you don't have to do all of them that would give you some immediate uh relief so mike how can people uh get in contact with you or learn more about what you do. Yeah. So um, the new book called Fix This Next has that compass I was talking about. You can go to fixthisnext.com. And what we just activated is a evaluation. So it's totally free. You can evaluate your business in less than five minutes and it'll pinpoint what you need to work on. No download or anything. It just presents on the screen. So fixthisnext.com. And uh, more information about me is at mikemichalowitz.com. But the shortcut to get there is Mike Motorbike as in a motorcycle. MikeMotorbike.com, nickname from high school. And uh, you can find uh, tons of resources I also have there. Awesome, Mike. Let's just close it with this. What is the best business advice that you have received? Always listen to wallets. So, uh, you know, it's easy to listen to words and I, I trust the words in the past, but it's really the action of the customers. So watch their wallets. If they're not spending, they're demonstrating that they're not, they don't value what your current offer is. But when you adjust and they start spending, they're valuing your new offer. So start testing things out and watch the wallets. Thank you very much, Mike. Thank you, Hector. Good seeing you, man. Likewise.